episode 80 something. And today we're speaking to Alex Vinov. Alex is the CEO and co-founder of InSquad, the platform to build remote development teams. And, you know, he's Russian. And I mean, InSquad is a company that allows people to hire remote developers. And, you know, there's so much we could dive into there, but I think Alex also has a great background in terms of, you know, working in IPO transactions, as well as the entrepreneurship space, having founded four different companies, including this one. And I just met him a couple of minutes ago, so I'm excited to get to know him more. Alex, uh, welcome to the show and thank you for making the time today. Hey, thank you very much. It's my pleasure. Can you tell us a little bit about who Alex is and like who you are as a person before you became a businessman? <laughs> oh yeah, sure. Yeah. I've, uh, I've been, uh, I've, I've been in, uh, IT space since I was, uh, in IT and, and fight and, you know, and math space since I was little and I always adored the numbers. Uh, I've, uh, I've graduated from computer science school, but actually right after that, I felt like, you know, I want to do more finance and that's why I landed in, in uh, investment banking. And I've been there for maybe 12, good 12 years. Uh, but uh, ultimately, you know, I it kind of felt like when I was 35, it kind of felt, you know, that I, I, I know everything about finance these days and it's not that much fun anymore. So I, uh, so I decided to take a huge switch in my career. I jumped into entrepreneurship and I founded uh, my first business. And, uh, and for the last seven or eight years, I've been, or maybe nine years, I've been doing this and having fun. Yeah. What, uh, yeah, you mentioned how you worked in, in banking, right? Or like finance and you decided to, I guess, make your own company or, you know, start your own startup. Um, what, uh, what do you think made you want to do that? And what was like the first company you made and just how did that come about? Yeah, I, I actually, I went to business school and uh, uh, everybody, it was, it was uh, actually a lot of fun, but uh, the reason, uh, the reason why I went into business school is not was not because I wanted to learn business because I was been I've been doing uh, you know private equity and public equity and finance and analytics so I I I had a lot of uh, uh, I've seen a lot of uh, you know uh, successful businesses and what they are made of and it's it was a great school uh, in terms of uh, understanding the business processes and and how you make a great company. But I actually went to business school for a pure reason, just to find like-minded individuals to start a business with. And I was happy enough uh, to meet my first partner. And then we've uh, started a software, IT software outsourcing business. Yeah, it's actually doing very well these days. It's, I think it has now about 250 developers uh, working in it. So it's, it's pretty successful. Uh, <clears throat> and that I've... Uh, that success made me think, you know, maybe I should be doing, uh, you know, starting uh, uh, more startups, you know, trying more, uh, trying to, 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 you know, to find uh, more interesting uh, areas to apply my energy. Sure. <laughs> because, because it's really when you, when you, you know, in a startup, it's kind of the first two years of the key to a startup success, because in the first two years, you are either, building a successful model and, you know, bringing in the, 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 the capital, the human capital, financial capital, and so on and so forth. 
and uh, and after that, if uh, if you've succeeded, then uh, it's kind of it's getting more uh, you know stable kind of thing. And that's I felt that I'm more excited in the startup part. So that's why you know I I made a decision to uh, start a new business every two years, uh, a new startup every two years. That was back in 2014. So that's I've been I've been uh, I've been doing this for the last eight years now. A quick, quick question. I mean, how, how did you make that leap? Because I guess coming, I mean, even if you go to business school, you could go back into other parts of finance, but you, you decided not to. Tell us more about like the, I guess, how, how do you get the courage to do that? Because most people I know in finance, they always dream to <laughs> maybe start a business. Some of them, oh, I'm just going to invest someday, maybe later on. So how, how do you think about that? Well, I kind of felt that I think that the, the important thing that I felt that time is passing by and, you know, at some point I will not be able, I will not have the, the stamina, I will not have the power, I will not have uh, the connections or anything. Uh, I will not have the, the, that ideal point to start a business or do something great. And I felt like I could do more in my life, right? I could do better than just being in a corporate ladder or doing uh, issuing bonds or doing uh, M&A transactions. That was like, that, that, that was, you know, giving me good money, but it wasn't kind of rewarding as much as I wanted it to be. And I think it's, it was important decision in my life that, that I want to kind of, you know, uh, I want to follow my, my own way. And it was actually, it was very hard because I had, I have a family, I have kids, you know, I have to support them. And yeah. a startup career is nowhere certain as much as, you know, you know, investment banking. <laughs> yeah. uh, you, you don't pay yourself a salary, right? At first, you start with the, the idea that nobody pays you salary anymore, right? You, you, you work only, you make money only, only if your business is, is earning money. Yeah, so it was a hard decision. And, uh, and, uh, uh, but the, the only thing that actually made me go through is my, uh, you know, my view that I'm, I'm just not getting enough of that when I'm doing a finance and corporate, uh, in corporate investment banking. I think you, you know, such a meaningful answer. I feel like a lot of the world nowadays, they work jobs because it puts food on the table, pays the rent, but a lot of them, they don't like it. Cause like I hang out with them on Friday and they say, uh, yeah, it's been a tough week and now I'm glad it's Friday. Right. But like when I was working at Google, for instance, a lot of people would say, happy Friday, happy Friday. I'm just like, I think every day is a great day. You know, I, I say happy Monday or like, um, and recently, you know, we, we became entrepreneurs in the podcast, just making it a company as well. And just realizing that, uh, as you said, like no one pays you at first and, you know, how do you support a family? How do you support uh, yourself at the same time? And uh, I think that's the tricky part or that's the really difficult part, but then you're also like at the same time, a little bit more happier to wake up every day because you, got a company to run and you're the guy in charge um when when you uh started your most recent company in in squad what like what drove you to do that or like because you were already entrepreneur right like just how did yeah well uh i mean i because i made myself a you know like a pledge that i'm i'm gonna start every comp a company every two years uh the reason why i did that is because i i want to you know build something big. I don't want to, I already built a, a business that has like $10 million in revenue. I want a hundred, 
right? Because it's you 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 gotta you gotta set yourself high goals, you know, to to be satisfied when you're when you achieve them. And uh, in my uh, last startup, which is a fintech company uh, that I sold uh, last year, uh, I was uh, you know I was obviously it's in uh, you know do, uh, doing uh, product development and hiring a lot of developers. And at one point, I was doing an internal uh, internal startup in a startup, uh, and I had uh, I had it all planned. I had a budget, and uh, I was just you know I needed to hire a quick a quickly. Uh, I needed to assemble a, a team of developers, and then and then all the nightmare came. Man, I'm in. I've, my HR team was like interviewing like crazy and they couldn't find the right developers. And whenever they would be a good guy, you know, he would go to a, some wealthy yeah, competitor. <laughs> and after like three or four months, so I gave up and I was like, you know, I'm going to work with the staffing firms, but staffing firms didn't do it any better because they just gave me the candidates. They didn't know anything about the candidates that they were supplying. And I was like, Hey, you know, if I have this problem, probably a lot of startups have this too, because startups, you know, they don't have time. Uh, they don't have history. They don't have lots of, uh, uh, you know, things that big companies can offer to you. And that's why they, but at the same time, they are the ones that really need the, the, the this talent. They really need the tech talent because if you, you know, if you hire a bad developer into a large corporation, nothing will happen. If you hire a bad developer into a startup where there are like 10 or 20 people, it's going to mean the whole world to them, right? A bad developer means the, the, you know, that the, the startup will, uh, will have the product later or worse or, or you know, have, it ha can have a serious sequences, con consequences there. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, so that I, I thought, you know, why, should, why shouldn't I do this? You know, why shouldn't I try to solve this problem and help startup communities? Because I love startups. Absolutely. I, I'm reading on InSquad's website. It says, scale your team 4x faster with remote uh, InSquad startup developers. Uh, when you began that, you know, you created that. How did, uh, how did you, like, find the talent? It seems like it's a marketplace. Or no, it's not a market. It's more just yeah. uh, oh, it's Well, it's, it's a platform. It's not ex exactly a marketplace. Uh, yeah, the, the, we, we source developers, uh, uh, in Latin America, in, uh, in Eastern Europe, uh, we actually have developers like from Ukraine, yeah, the guys from that left Russia. Uh, yeah. And we then ask them to go through our tests and, uh, they spent like three, two, three, two, three hours coding in our platform and then answering questions. And then, you know, somebody comes over and interviews them. So that we know a lot about our developers. And that was the idea, you know, that the developers I'm going to, you know, try to match with a great uh, startup are the ones that I would hire to my own team. That's that's the way we, we work. That's very cool. Uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's a cool concept because I think in startups, like, either there's three people and, um, you know, they're only able to do so much in a day and you can't do business meetings while coding or you can't build a product you know all by yourself so um what's uh what's what's it been like so far you know just having this exist in terms of watching how it works like in terms of seeing a company or startup uh hire somebody from would you say it's your team or like your, your talent pool or right yeah it's not, yeah we call we call our developers our talent pool 
Uh, I had a lot, a lot of positive uh, feedback, and but the things that I really appreciate is that a lot of times, you know, people would come to us and they're like, "Hey, you know, we had like we had this client. They had a senior data scientist to resign from that from the team." And his resignation really put a jeopardy in on the entire project that they were doing for the last, uh, what is it, four or five months. And they were like, "Hey, we need somebody, you know, like next next week. Uh, are you gonna Are you able to get the, the to get us the right talent?" And we, you know, we we weren't we weren't able to do it in a week, but we did it in two weeks. And the guy was like, "Hey, you know, I was." I'm I'm so I'm so glad, and I I I could feel that because when I first uh, met this um, guy, he's a chief operating officer, and I I heard I could hear in his voice that he was you know he was afraid because he really needed that, that talent and he couldn't get it anywhere, and uh, then it was kind of it was it felt very very emotional and it felt like you know we're doing the right stuff. So uh, uh, generally, our p- feedback was is, is was and is uh, p- positive. Of course, there are some ups and downs, but it's like you know in any business. Hey, Alex, tell us more about like how do you like what's the, se- the secret sauce, right? Like how do you get these developers and get them into working on projects in two weeks? Because technically, you might need to have a bench, right? Like people are already on the go, but that's that's also not hard. It's not kind of hard for you as a business to have kind of a bench right so t- tell us more about the process and how you know how you can get someone kind of there in weeks and not in months right yeah sure i think our secret sauce is automation uh because uh what we've seen what i've seen in person i've myself hired over 100 developers and uh, what i've seen is that a lot of things that i do and a lot of things that you know, any anybody who is hiring would do, they could be automated. But when you do it in just one company, it you know it doesn't really pay to automate. Uh, and when we do it in a platform, we and we automate. It really gives us a competitive edge because we uh, we can uh, get a lot of developers into our funnel. And then we would get uh, only the best ones into our vetted pool, and we, you know, we we vet like hundred developers, and only one or two of them will end up in our vetted pool. So we can see the quality of developers that uh, that are coming, and we can really be certain that the developers that we have in the pool are top quality. Now, about how we can get them in two weeks rather than two months. What I've seen is that. Uh, the developers, you know, if you are if you are talking to developers in US, they are really have too many opportunities, right? Uh, I mean, every developer gets like three to five job offers a month, even unsolicited, right? So whenever whenever you are trying to chase a developer, uh, three to five other companies are chasing the same developer, and uh, that means that it's it's going to take time for you to find the right talent. When we go to places where there are less developers, uh, I'm sorry, less uh, opportunities and more developers, and we go to Latin America, we go to Eastern Europe, we, you know, we have some developers from uh, from India as well. Then you would find that there, the developers there are the quality of their the, the, the quality of developers is high, 
at the same time, the, because they are less opportunity, they are willing to wait and see if they can, you know, get matched with a great U.S. startup. And, uh, and that's why the developers that we have in our vetted pool, they're typically available uh, for hire in two to four weeks. And another point is that we never work with the guys that are, you know, that are looking for a job right, right away. Right, because if you need a job, you will find it in two weeks. We only work with the guys that are, you know, they are okay at their current job, but they would want to get something uh, more interesting, uh, something more compelling. I hear you. Yeah, um, you know, Alex, what's what's been like the biggest challenge so far with doing this? Because I think like there's things that exist, like right, like Fiverr or like what do you call them, like. Upwork or whatever, where where somebody could just bring somebody like that, but you guys have like a different level of uh, authenticity, or like what do you say, like um, I guess just proof proof of concept. Like, what's been challenging for you or team? Yeah, I think well, there are you know, like in every startup, there are lots of things that are challenging. I think what makes us different in that respect is that we. We're purely focused on uh, on software engineers, and we are software engineers ourselves. And we basically build a service for you know for software engineers, right? For those who know uh, that uh, that a good software engineer is hard to find. And uh, we don't, for example, we don't do any gigs because we got only senior software engineers, and we know that these guys don't want to be, you know, don't want to do something small. They always want so, so they to become get full time employees then, or well, well, they uh, we have that option for for our clients to to make the developer a full time employee of their of their team, but typically they are doing full time work, but they are employees in adding squad. Uh, so it's a little bit different, but it's still the developers, the, the developer that works with us, he only he or she only works with one, one project and only full time. Oh, yeah, gotcha. and that, that makes a lot of difference. What, wondering, Alex, like, how do you pay the, the developer that sense? Like, does a company, the company pay or do you pay the developer? Or does the company pay you and then you pay the developer? What's the process? like? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a staffing model. So we have a contract. Uh, with the company and that way we also you know save the company the hassle of doing uh, legal paperwork and you know making sure that uh, you pay the, the medical uh, insurance and so on and so forth uh, in tax uh, and then we and then we have a direct uh, a, a relationship with the with the developer Gotcha. That sounds really interesting. Um, hey, Alex, maybe from a practical sense, I'm sure our listeners are asking, is this going to be a, a cheaper option, right? Let's say, I mean, obviously compared to the U.S., but if, you know, uh, you're just trying to find some Latin American engineers and you try to either go to a staffing agency or even put in something, I guess, on LinkedIn, um, is there a, I guess, is it cost effective or is it more of just, it's it's a you know, more convenient way to do this? Like, what is the play, I guess, from a value proposition? Yeah, I think uh, that's a great question, actually, because when I originally started, I was like, you know, the re- the reason why people would turn to this platform is because they want to save money. But uh, r- right now, after, you know, a year and a half doing this work, I see that 
the primary reason why people come to us is because they just cannot find this talent in us uh of course the you know the talent that we offer it's like half have the price of us developers but uh what's more valuable is that because we know a lot about our developers we we have all the data structured then if you need somebody who has a very particular has worked with very particular framework or has other you know specifics has you know who wants to work in a startup uh then it's it is easy for us to you know to push a couple of buttons and just find two to three uh you know very solid candidates for for any vacancy that's out there and that's why people come because when they are in a hurry like you know like we were in my last startup we really needed developers like next week right when you are in a hurry there's no chance you can get this developer if you go traditional way by recruiting or uh the, you are only left to staffing agencies and uh, staffing agencies only sell whomever they have on their bench and which is uh, these days it's very limited right so you're you, you they really don't have this this option other than you know going to do going offshore yeah hey alex i think like that's that's so interesting what i wanted to ask like um so I, i have friends who are engineers like at apple or whatever um and they're telling me they had five round interviews and you know it's like uh even you know there's like probably 20 to 30 people who are interviewing for a role traditionally in like a tech company um but for you like uh in terms of how do they become part of your team or the the um client's team is it similar to that where they do like five interviews or just is it like two interviews or how's it go what's the interview well, process well, like? I think these days I mean if you're Apple of course you can afford yourself to have five rounds of interviews right because every developer knows that Apple will bring you know open any door after they've graduated from it right if you're a small startup there is no way you can will hire a developer with a five rounds of interviews because the developer will get you know job offers elsewhere much faster uh what's important is that uh the developers actually are very tired of all these you know uh rounds of interviews where everybody has to check their skills and uh spending a lot of time with no results and a lot of de- strong developers they actually they hate you know going on interviews it's like a, a big stress for them right. because they they know how to do great code they don't really know how to you know to do great to to master the interview So what where we are instrumental is we say to developer all right you're going to you're going to take just one test you know uh it's going to take some time you're going to take one test and one interview and after that uh we will guarantee that you will not get you know like 20 or 30 job offers which are not relevant to you i guess the most important part of our platform is that we try to be we try to bring the relevant candidates to the relevant startups right we do if it's a startup in medtech we will not bring somebody who has who has not uh, done anything in medtech at all because domain knowledge matters right uh if it's somebody who wants to work in a in a bigger organization we will not bring somebody who said you know i want to 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 join the startup like when the when i'm the first the first uh hire hired engineer so that's why we bring a lot of value to to developer and at the same time to to our customers 
Yeah, no, that's that's really. <clears throat> I think that's really unique. Does do do you find that any anyone else has done this before? Or like, is it just you? Or? Well, to be perfectly honest, I've uh, I've seen this model a couple of times. I think I think that uh, with the with the embracing rem remote world that that we've been doing for the last few years, and uh, I think the remote uh, you know remote work is going to continue to grow, and uh, I think the more and more companies will uh, think about hiring remote developers. Uh, I see a lot of that in us, but we, for example, we have some clients in Europe and European clients are still, you know, way behind because they are like, no, we really want somebody in the office. And, uh, I know for, for my teams that, you know, the best performing teams in the world are remote. That's because you can get the, the best quality talent, the most motivated developers and so on and so forth. Um, so, uh, so I think that, you know, uh, uh, the, in three to five years, uh, hiring remote developer from Brazil or from Ukraine or from uh, India is going to be pretty much a standard in any remote, in any development team. I have a question, Alex. So like a lot of people, they have uh, ideas for startups, right? But they're not coders. And you, I think reading in your profile, oh, it was, that was, that was somebody else. Sorry. But you, you know how to code, right? That, <laughs> are you a I haven't been, I haven't been coding for the last 12 to like 15 years. So I, I'd say that I don't know how to code anymore because it evolves oh, too fast. Oh, that's true. That, yeah, yeah. I was just thinking about that just since um, you, you built your company, but who, who did you hire to be your engineer? Was it, you know, a friend or how did you find the co-founder? Like, you know. Well, finding a co-founder is actually quite hard. The guy that I've I've hired as the uh, uh, you know product uh, uh, chief product officer is the, somebody that I found in uh, one of the startups that I invested before. I I myself invest uh, as an I'm an angel investor, like I think maybe fifteen or so companies. Uh huh. And uh, I actually I liked him a lot. His startup didn't work out, but I I you know. Uh, I've seen the, the the potential with him, and the, and then I offered him to join the startup, and that's that's how it worked. I, I can say that you know our platform is not for developers. If you want to find a like a developer chief, you know, technical officer, or like the, the one person who will who will build your product, it's more for teams that already have like five at least five people that have some processes. Uh, because hiring a remote developer is, you know, is a ch is uh, ultimately a challenge that you need to solve. Uh, so, yeah, that's why I, I I've taken I've I've partnered with somebody that I, I've knew before. And I, a lot of times we hear, you know, that people hire developers from their network. I think that's the best way to do that. Mm -hmm. The only problem is, that, you know, your network is limited right, and not right. scalable. Right, hey right. Alex, how about um, the the tail end, right? Like, for example, you get it and it doesn't work out. Do you also help out because that's always a, a stress of startups, right? Like, you know, for example, now a lot of startups are trying to manage their burn, and you know, uh, is it also as easy transition as hiring? Let's say if you say, oh, you know what, I think you know our our VCs are telling us to cut down on some headcount. Is that something that you help with? Well. I think that's one of the reasons why we're popular with the startups is because you know if you if you 
don't need that uh, talent any any longer, or if you don't have, you know, for whatever reason you cannot afford that, you just stop. And there is no contingent liability on the part of a startup. And that's, that's I think, one of the reasons, you know, we give oh. a lot of flexibility. And that's one of the reasons why startups uh, choose us. Mm, very cool. That's, uh, yeah, it's just uh, great to learn about what, uh, you know, you guys make and how you guys help uh, other entrepreneurs um, solve uh, an issue. Hey, hey Alex, maybe, maybe shifting gears a little bit. Tell, me, tell us more about like your, your early days. Like how, how did you discover, you know, your own entrepreneurial, I guess, bent, right? Because that's always, uh, you know, I guess you, you became a banker, but you know, is there something, I guess, from, you know, early days, childhood, school days that kind of gave you the inkling that this is really what you wanted to do? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, uh, you know, what I really love is numbers, as I told you, right? And uh, I've been, uh, I've been into that story since my early childhood. Uh, I actually, I am, originally I'm from uh, Russia. And I remember when I was a kid, it was uh, 19. 80s uh, mid 1980s and that was hard time when when uh, there was no uh, uh, you know there was the stores were empty there was like it was really challenged to buy any staples like sugar uh, and I remember I was uh, you know standing in uh, line for to to buy sugar when I was like maybe seven or eight years old and the line was so long that it was over. You had to spend two days to wait to, 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 you know, to buy the sugar. And uh, the problem was that, you know, you, when you stand in line, you know who is uh, in front of you. And if it moves quite fast, it's okay. I mean, you, you, it's, that's not a problem. But if it's line of like 300 people, you kind of get confused. And also, you know, nobody waits in line at night, right? So everybody has to go home. And there was the, the problem there was when you go home and you go back to, to the line next day, how do you know that, you know, that person in front of you is actually the, the, the same person that was there yesterday? So there was a complicated issue. And uh, I, I, uh, I had this, I actually solved this issue when I was <laughs> seven or eight <laughs> years old. I didn't realize uh, that was, you know, I, that was a, a uh, great problem. So what I asked everybody is to write two numbers uh, on uh, on paper for them, and uh, so one number would uh, add two numbers for person in front of them and two numbers for person behind them, and uh, that way everybody would identify, you know, who is in front and who is who is behind them because the numbers have to match. And um, twenty years later, the blockchain technology used the same <laughs> the same idea basically. Oh, you know? it's a ledger. <laughs> Yeah, I actually, you know, I, when I was I realized that I, I, I didn't realize that, it, you know, that I, it was a, you know, a, a part of a blockchain. I mean, that idea is not very complicated to, to you know, it's, it, I guess it's a re realization is hard. Uh, so uh, numbers were always about me and I always, you know, loved inventing something. So I'm looking, every time I'm looking at some, at some problem, I'm thinking, you know, at all, a lot of times people would think, hey, this is a problem and it's, you know, it's bad and hey, you know, and, and, and not do anything about it. What I tend, I don't know how I did this, but maybe my, you know, my brain does it, maybe thank you, my parents for the genes. <laughs> uh, but every time I look at the problem, I'm like, hey, how can I solve it with technology? 
and that's what makes it so much easier and to you know to find new ways to find new niches and to you know to keep on exploring no that's that's a very uh that's a very cool story i think that uh even having the like the the motivation to even attempt to do something small at age seven or as a kid that that's very cool um i think yeah that's that's a wonderful story i i i uh I don't think if I have anything like that when I was a kid, but, <laughs> but I, I think Alex, you know, that's, that's really amazing. One, one thing I want to ask you is you, you alluded to how you love numbers and science um, and something that Earl and me are trying to, or and I are trying to kind of understand about the entrepreneurship stuff is, is entrepreneurship uh, science or art. Um, and I think there's no right or wrong answer to that, but just wanted to ask you, what do you think? Is it science or art or how do you think about that? Well, I think it both. Uh-huh. I mean, it's, you definitely need, it's like, you know, I think it's, it relates a lot to the question, does the luck matter in uh, entrepreneurship? Uh, you know, the luck, you know, a lot of times I would hear that entrepreneurship is all about work. You know, it's not about luck. It's about, you know, how much work you put in, but I think it's important to, remember that you can do all the right things and still not succeed. And uh, the there would be no logical explanation there. I mean, you know, things may change, market may change, you know, you may not meet the right developer or you may not meet the right VC or whatever. So that part is kind of hard to explain. Hmm. Uh, but what why I think luck is important is because it, uh, there needs to be something that you know motivates you to 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 do your work right so i th- i'd say that entrepreneurship is uh, 99% uh, science and 1% art it's something that you cannot really tell why did that su- happen i mean you can have 50 explanations uh, sure. 50 reasons why d- it did happen uh but uh, you if you try to repeat that it's not going to work like that, you know? So it's, it's, I think it's both. I, I just asked a question. I, I was watching like a Stanford GSB YouTube video and they, they were saying, uh, like a student was saying once in the morning, they'll do something very like creative. And then the afternoon they'll do something very regimented. Um, and, and I also wonder like thinking about artists. Um, and so like Picasso, like, he wasn't, he was just painting something, but I don't even think there's a scientific process, but then you look at somebody like a Albert Einstein or somebody who's a genius, then they, they do something. They're both really successful. And uh, I just find the whole thing fascinating. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, as for entrepreneurship, it's, uh, uh, it's definitely, it's, uh, you know, you have to be certain about what you're doing. So in that respect, it is a science, right? Sure. In the definition of science that you, you know, you learn something and you know that if you repeat that, you will get the same result. So that's, uh, that's where the science com- comes in. But, as you know, the more you go to the unknown, because, you know, every startup you do, it's, you know, you invent something new and you don't know if it's going to work or not. And that's where it's, it gets a little bit more to the, to the art side of it. I like it. Yeah. Uh, you do you play chess, by the way. 
you seem like a chess player. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, I oh, I love it. Um, I, when I was actually, you know, I'm I'm not very good at it because I'm I've been only playing. I've been playing with my dad, and my dad was like, he was a champion in Ukraine. Really? No way. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. At one point, so uh, I'm bad in chess. Uh, you know, he's much better. Similar to me, my my dad played chess and I only beat him maybe once because of luck out of a hundred, <laughs> like you <Yeah>. say. <laughs> um, I think you know, Alex. We're, we're kind of coming towards the end of the show, um, but it's been really fun learning about what you've done and accomplished, and just I guess like your opinions on very cool topics like uh, science, and it's really really fascinating. Um, but like one of the <laughs> Oh, go ahead. Yeah, Rob. maybe maybe Alex. Uh, maybe my my final question here is: If you had to give advice to your eighteen-year-old self, what would it be? Now knowing your whole startup journey, uh, I think my only advice would be: you know, get up and do something, and don't worry; it will work out. I love it. <laughs> I uh, we we hear that we ask that question like maybe fifty plus times and. Yeah, I mean something along those lines, but that's that's very very straightforward, and I think it's because yeah, I I think it's you know every time there is any when you're trying to do something, you know things you know then you start to doubt whether you should do it or whether you should not, and it you know entrepreneurship is about you know okay, I'll do it, you know, and uh, I can do it, and that motivation is something that is the the most important part in the success of any a, any business that i have founded and uh, you know the the business the one that had failed when i did my homework and one of the things i didn't do it right is uh you know i was uh you know kind of hesitating too much about the things that i would sh- should have done and uh you know didn't do it that on time and it's startups is always about time right if you do it fast then you and then you succeed then you move and you you know you you kind of get that a lot of that commotion and you know people want to join your team and and it all puts together it's not only about the financial it's also about people who it's more even not about financial but people who who put it all together so get up and do it is the my my answer to my you know myself when i was back then i love it no that's very cool i uh I uh, I think you know as humans we're, we're emotional, right? And like maybe Ray Dalio says uh, in his principles book that uh, yeah, that it's always a constant battle with your inner self or your mind. And um, you know these decisions are a lot emotional, like driven by emotion, which which kind of comes into art. And then like I think also that um, science kind of plays into the logic. Um, and I think I guess like a not a follow up follow up thought would be. Um, do you do you think that a lot of the ways that you've made decisions in your career for your businesses have been um well you know what say like in the in the moment right like you you get nervous about something do you just you know how do you deal with that you just go and do as best of the hand or like you just do the most rational choice or what's, what's the- well I, I think yeah I think I well, I don't believe in a racial, rational choice as the the concept. Uh-huh. Fundamentally, I don't think there is such thing uh, because it's rational for you. What is rational for you may not be rational for me. 
So whenever I get, you know, into stress and I have some, you know, some important decisions to make, well, first of all, I kind of try to cool down and, uh, and uh, paint myself the worst outcome ever possible wow. from, from that decision. Uh, and when I see the worst outcome and I see that I can still live with it, I, I, you know, I calm down a lot because the, the way I get, and I think most people do, the way I get anxiety is when, you know, I'm afraid. What if I hire this guy or that guy? I mean, if I hire this guy, he's too expensive or that guy, he's, you know, I'm not very certain about his, his capacity and then whom I should hire or, or it's, you know, any other decision ends up doing something like that. Uh, and, uh, the point is that when you, you paint different pictures, uh, of the future, uh, and uh, you see that in any picture, you know, you will have the consequences that you are capable of, uh, you know, dealing with the anxiety just passes away because the reality will never happen the way that we think it will. Right. We always make these projections of what will happen, right. but the reality is always different. And we can never know how it's going to work out. So you kind of have to, you know, believe in yourself uh, that you will be able to deal with whatever uh, the consequences of the decision that you are taking will uh, end up. Man, Alex, that's that's really like you know profound. I think uh, we should charge people <laughs> to access that information. I'm not kidding, because uh, you know, like we, as humans, we seek knowledge in books and podcasts and YouTube videos and talking to other folks that's an accurate statement man just i i i think you know anyone with a dream or desire um to do something that pertains to them and the, it's that's difficult that pertains to them uh, can use that framework so i mean <laughs> question or two more questions alex actually do you have like a favorite book that you learn things from that applied to business like dalio's book or what do you think <laughs> yeah it's actually my favorite is the principles uh huh. i mean uh you know I'm, I, I must confess, I don't read a lot of books these days because uh, I have, uh, you know, so limited amount of time and sure. I try to, to do, uh, I, when I read, I would read, you know, only, only uh, you know, abridged versions so, so that I could, you know, uh, spend more time on doing something. Uh, but yeah, one of the books that I really love is Principles. One, another one that I really like is... Uh, uh, I forget what the 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 author is. Uh, it's his Israeli guy, uh, Daniel Kahneman, I think. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, uh, uh, it's uh, uh, think slow, uh, make decisions fast, something like that. I, I'm not sure. It's about the way the the brain works, uh -huh. and I think I would recommend it to any you know to any startup because it you know when understanding your client. It's very important to see uh, that how how he looks at things, you know, how his brain works, because then you can kind of solve this puzzle. You know, how do I build a product that people will love? Right. Yeah, I love that. Um, I second. I think I just invented one last question. What, but Alex, what would you say that your startup mindset is if um, you had to just articulate it or explain it? Not even explain it, but what, what's your startup mindset, Alex? Uh, my startup mindset? Yes. Well, I, 
sentence or just whatever you think the answer should be. <laughs> yeah, I th- I actually love the way you you framed it. You know, uh, you know, thanks God it's any day. Any day is great is a great day, right? That's that's my uh, that's my motivation. When I wake up, you know, I want to do something, and that's the the thing that I enjoy most about doing being a startup. You know, I that every day I have the opportunity to do something great. Wow, that's amazing. That's it. And then Alex, one last question here: How do people, um, whether they're looking to hire somebody or work with Incute or uh, get to know you a little bit more, how do they? Um, use in or in squad and uh how do they go about doing that oh sure i mean that you know if you want to uh there you could obviously go to the to the website uh you or you could connect with me at linkedin uh i'm alex svinov a-l-e-x dash s-v-i-n-o-v and uh i'll be more than happy to walk you through i'll get you uh to one of my colleagues who will help find the the great the great developers but i mean if if that if that is the the, the question i'm i'm more than happy to chat with anybody who, who is listening to this uh, podcast you. well thanks alex well, well any last words or i don't know just anything you haven't gotten a chance to say yet <laughs> well i've i've had a great time i appreciate that uh, you've you've invited me I've, Oh, absolutely! Uh, you know, had a great time. As well. You're, you're, yeah, you're great guys, and I, 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 I said that we'll have a lot of uh, contacts in the future because absolutely. I mean, Earl is def- yeah, Earl is <laughs> definitely the guy that I've been, you know, probably had a lot in common with my past career in finance. So, uh, yeah, and 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 thank you very much too. Thanks. Absolutely, uh, this has been really fun, and thank again, thanks again.